You're listening to a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of News Talk 770. Back with you on The Strong Room on News Talk 770. A conversation now with Brian Keating, longtime conservationist with the Calgary Zoo and a good friend of the McMillan family. The conversation begins with a recent honor presented to him by the zoo. I retired from the zoo seven years ago, but last week I was invited to come back for a big celebration at the zoo, and there was uh, close to 200 people there and all invited guests, and many of them strong supporters of my work over the years. And uh, there was uh, about halfway through my zoo career, I started working on the conservation fund. I started building uh, funding to uh, create a a source of funds that would uh, be utilized for conservation programs for, for decades to come. And uh, last week it was made into the Brian Keating Conservation Endowment Fund. So it's my, my name is attached. It was quite a humbling experience, but I'm absolutely privileged and honored to, be, uh, to have that named after me. It's quite a legacy. It is. It is. And, and you know, the, uh, Dr. Axel Mordenschlager is the fellow that uh, runs up the conservation work, the research department, and he's created an, an incredible team, a real vortex of energy. And I've always believed that zoos need to be looking outside of their boundaries. Uh, they, they need to, since they display the world's wealth of wildlife, they should be investing equal time into making sure that wildlife doesn't disappear from their natural habitats. And, uh, and that's been the whole concept behind conservation outreach. And, of course, the work that Axel is doing uh, with a much more Alberta-focused effort is, is to be commended. You have retired from the zoo, but you have hardly retired. Uh, <laughs> tell me about your love affair with Africa. How did it begin? Boy, that was 30, actually almost 35 years ago was the first trip I did to Africa. I've been going back every year since I've, since then I've visited 17 different countries. I've been, the way I pull it off, by the way, is I lead trips with uh, Civilized Adventures. So they, they organize the trips and, and uh, the people seem to materialize and, and I basically take people on their holidays and I join them. And uh, Africa is a diverse part of the world. The continent is incredible. Every country seems to offer its own special treats and opportunities. Uh, I just got back a couple of weeks ago from a month in Zimbabwe, which was my first love affair of Africa. Zimbabwe uh, has had its difficult times. There was a, a decade period of time there where I didn't take any groups into Zimbabwe at all, and it's great to be back. And I think one of the things that I appreciate most about Zimbabwe, it's got 25% of the continent's elephant population. And uh, Botswana has the most with about uh, 40%, but uh, uh, Zimbabwe comes close uh, behind, and, and Tanzania, I think, is next, and Kenya's right up there, too. What fascinates you about the elephant? Well, both the keepers that I worked with at the Calgary Zoo and the wildlife biologists that study elephants tell me that they are the smartest animal on four legs. They've got very complex social systems. They say that their social systems are as complex as any of the non-human primates, uh, which means they've got a very uh, intricate lifestyle, uh, tremendous uh, behaviors, wonderful to observe. When you spend time sitting in the forest watching elephants, time is not taken off your life. There's, they're always doing something 
something. They're touching each other. They're pushing each other around. Youngsters are getting into trouble. Uh, juveniles are being a pest. Uh, it's it's just like our family at home. I was just going to say, it reminds <laughs> me of humans. It, exactly. In fact, both the, the, their longevity and their development, their growth development and their sexual readiness and so on correlates pretty closely to the human primate. But uh, and, and even young males, when they're eight or nine years old and testosterone starts to course through their system, they become downright ornery. And uh, the matriarch, it's a, it's a female-driven society, a matriarch-driven society. So the oldest uh, female is the dominant female of the family. And uh, once that juvenile male becomes a bit of a pain in the butt, uh, the, the, the uh, matriarch kicks that youngster out. It takes about two years for the youngster to finally understand that uh, I'm not welcome here within the family group anymore, but they can't live within the family group because they're too disruptive. They're uh, uh, doing things that become uh, a bit of an issue to keep uh, within the family. So they eventually are forced out and they form loose associations with other males and they essentially team up with an older male and they learn how to become a male elephant. So the matriarch is, uh, is the disciplinarian and uh, the boys uh, get to go off and uh, do their own thing and, and ultimately uh, join new families. That's right. They, they will only join new families for a temporary period of time. Males go through what's known as must, M-U-S-T-H. And a friend of mine who studies elephants, he says it's because they must have a woman. And the testosterone levels go through the roof. They then uh, uh, have basically been spending 11 months of the year feeding and bulking up and, and gaining strength. And then for a month, they feed very little. They do go on Big, long walkabouts and essentially they're out there looking for females who are in heat and he, females can come into heat at any time during the year. As big as a, an elephant is, it's also one of the more vulnerable animals in the kingdom. Uh, that is something that you are paying some attention to with uh, a new project that uh, is, is a part of your interest area now. Very much so. And uh, that's the, the Sheldrick Elephant Orphanage in Kenya. They have, uh, Daphne Sheldrick is the woman who started it. She was the, the wife of one of uh, Kenya's first wardens, a very famous warden. And, and uh, she started the orphanage years ago after she figured out how to keep baby elephants alive. Now, these are baby elephants have come out of the wild, usually through uh, tragic events. So often poaching, most often poaching. In fact, when I started going to Africa 30 five years ago. Uh, there was about a million elephants in Africa. Today, after the big elephant census uh, that was completed uh, just uh, about a year and a half ago, uh, a multi-million dollar pan-Africa continental census of elephant uh, numbers using a systematic, scientifically rigorous process of counting elephants, they came up with 415,000. So that means there's less than half the number of elephants today compared to when I first started going to Africa. And that's, that's a, a, that's a tragic example of of how selfish the human primate can be our, our desire to have something expensive and carved in our hands and i'm talking obviously about ivory uh so the sheldrick orphanage basically helped to bring the issue of elephant poaching to a head they they started to uh, uh, market and advertise and 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 illustrate to anybody who would listen what's happening to elephants in africa especially in kenya and kenya lost a good percentage of its africa elephants during the 
ivory wars. And, uh, and they were the first one, uh, Kenya government was the first government to burn huge volumes of ivory to show how wasteful ivory is, uh, not just from, um, you know, from the trinket perspective, but uh, taking the life of these very complex, very socially astute animals. Describe the orphanage, Brian. What does it consist of um, and what is the goal? I've been going to the orphanage for as long as I've been going to Kenya. So that's quite a, that's quite a number of years, probably, well, it's close to 30 30 years because I, I first concentrated my Africa exploration in Southern Africa and I finally went to East Africa and I've been going back there ever since. Every time I go to Nairobi, I organize the first day to go out to the Elephant Orphanage. It's open only for an hour a day from 10.30 till 11.30 in the morning and uh, they've got a, uh, they've, they obviously charge for that privilege to come to the orphanage, which is how they make a lot of their money uh, to run the, the orphanage because at any one point in time, they'll have anywhere from a half dozen to a dozen baby elephants and another equal number of elephants that are juveniles that they're getting ready for reintroduction into the wild. And this is where the story gets especially interesting. They, uh, years ago, they started, uh, when they had their first elephants, baby elephant successes, when Daphne Sheldrick invented the formula that kept baby elephants alive because cow's milk kills baby elephants. So she came up with this complex mi- mixture and she managed to keep these baby elephants alive. What do you do with a baby elephant? when it grows too big to keep anymore? Or how do you keep elephants if they keep coming in from uh, tragic situations out in the bush? Well, she took some down to uh, a national park in the shadow of Kilimanjaro. And uh, she uh, started, she had the elephants uh, that that were going to be released in a boma, which is a a, a little cement or a a log uh, corral. And uh, an elephant came out of the bush and uh, an adult, a female, and adopted the first babies, which was unheard of. Nobody ever expected this, but elephants do communicate with what we call infrasonic sound. That's, that's a, a communication below the range of our own human hearing. And the, um, obviously there's communication happening. So the elephants were adopted. Since then, they have released hundreds of elephants. There's a whole community of elephants now in Amboseli National Park that that have started all with the tragic results uh, or the tragic results of having their their mother killed. They were raised in, in captivity and then released into the wild. So these elephants all understand every group of new recruits that come in every year from the Sheldrick Orphanage. What role is McMillan Estate Planning going to play in uh, in the development of this project? Well, they've they've been uh, key players in the whole program. They're going to be investing uh, good funds to help and assist the Sheldrick with its mission of uh, of, of captive ra- raising and release of these elephants. It's not a small cost to get a baby elephant up to the seven or eight or nine year old stage when they're old enough to be taken down to Amboseli to be released into the wild. They also deal not just with the captive raising and releasing of elephants, but they're also involved in anti-poaching, which is a key component of the whole process. And and I just I just came back from Zimbabwe and I was visiting a park that was adopted by the Frankfurt Zoological Society. Uh, seven years ago, they signed the agreement for a 30-year span. Already, they've seen their elephants go from 4,000 to 13,000 in just that span of time. And that's 
that's all that is is good management and good anti-poaching strategy so the shelter organizations involved with that and that's where mcmillan is going to be involved too they're going to be helping to raise funds and and to direct funds from their clients uh should they wish to uh put uh some of their estate into um into conservation efforts i never thought of estate planning as being something that applied to elephants and yet in this case it's it appears that it does well you know you save elephants and you save a lot more too it's elephants are the keystone animals they build and maintain ecosystems by for various in various ways uh you lose elephants and you lose a lot more than just the elephants and you also lose the will of the people to keep the park where the elephants used to exist too so and i think all of us uh you know if we if we intend to live healthy fulfilling lives uh generation after generation we need to look after our green backyard uh, whether it's here at home or around the world and we ha- we happen to be in a situation that uh, that enables us to assist uh, other uh, needy locations. Brian Keating, along with Rob Branford, UK Director of the David Sheldrick Wildlife Trust, are the featured guests at a Macmillan Gala next Friday evening, October 20th at the Fairmont Palliser Hotel. If you'd like to attend, call Macmillan's office weekdays during business hours at 403-266-6464 for tickets. And remember that philanthropy can be an important part of good tax planning. That's it for this week. Thanks for joining us on The Strong Room on News Talk 770.